Man, there is something about that song. That is one powerful song. All right, I'm going to give you a little bit of American history. Listen to this. Especially our young folks, maybe um, even folks my age, I think we forget about this. Certainly don't even know if I was taught this in school, and that's been a long time ago. But on July 4th, John Adams, our second president, wrote this to his wife, a personal letter penned to his wife from your president. We went to a meeting at Wells and had the pleasure of hearing my friend on be not partakers in other men's sin and keep yourself pure. We took our horses to the meeting in the afternoon and heard the minister again on seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. He says there is a great pleasure in hearing sermons so serious, so clear, so sensible and instructive as these. Our president, John Adams. On March 6, 1799, John Adams called the nation to fast all day. Man, what's happened? On November 2nd, 1800, John Adams wrote to his wife and wrote this prayer, which was later engraved upon the mantle in the state dining room. You ever walk through the White House? Anybody ever go through that tour? Did you go through the state dining room and see the mantle with the engraving? It's still there. It says, I pray heaven to bestow the best of blessings on this house and on and all that shall hereafter inhabit it. May none, uh, may none but honest and wise men ever rule under this roof. In your White House. On the mantle. How about George Washington? It says, when George Washington was leaving home to begin what would become a lifelong service for his country, he recorded the, the departing words of his mother, Miss Mary Washington. She said to her son, remember that God is our only sure trust. To him I commend you, my son. Neglect not the duty of secret prayer. George Washington, your president of these United States. After the Battle of July 18, 1755, in which many comrades died, George Washington said, But by the all-powerful dispensations of providence, I have been protected beyond all human probability or expectation. For I had four bullets go through my coat, two horses shot under me, yet I escaped unhurt, although death was leveling my companions on every side of me. If God doesn't want you to die and he's got a job for you, you're not going to die. You're not. On June 1st, 1774, as the colonies were seeking God's will as to whether they should break ties with England, Washington made this entry in his diary, went to church, fasted all day. Starting to understand what's happened to us? How about Abraham Lincoln? June 1862, just weeks before the Battle of Gettysburg. Weeks. Can you imagine the pressure? Weeks before Gettysburg, a colleague, a colleague president asked him if he thought our country would survive. The president replied, I do not doubt that our country will finally come through safely and undivided. But do not misunderstand me. I do not rely on the patriotism 
of our people, the bravery of the boys in blue, or the loyalty of our generals, but the God of our fathers, who raised up this country to be the refuge and asylum of the oppressed and downtrodden of all nations, will not let it perish now. I may not live to see it. I do not expect to see it, but God will bring us through safely. That's your history. A little bit more before I get, I'm getting wound up. As General Lee led 76,000 men into Pennsylvania, panic took hold on Washington, D.C. In the midst, President Lincoln remained strangely confident. He later related to a general who was wounded at Gettysburg, when everybody seemed panic, I went to my room, got down on my knees before Almighty God and prayed. Soon a sweet comfort crept unto my soul that Almighty God had taken the whole business into his hands. No wonder this nation was so great. Was so great. It was. But what on earth has happened? What's happened to America? What's happened to our nation right before our very eyes and it seems so fastly right now? I mean, why has our government been turned so corrupt? Why? Why has it? Why is violent crime out of control? Morality has been forsaken. Honesty, integrity, you've got to be kidding. The Bible actually says truth will fall in the streets, and it has. It absolutely has. Greed seems to be the motivating force, not the country, not the welfare of the country or the people, not at all. Christ is becoming less and less welcome in our society. Amen? Amen. It truly is, and the Word of God is no longer even looked to by our country people. Our former presidents, man, they're seeking God and fasting, writing out, praying to, uh, their, over their soldiers and writing letters to their wives about how awesome God is and the Word of God is. To me, as I actually was moaning to the Lord, I said, it seems like the enemy's winning out. I tell God, what can I do? What on earth can I do against this systematic plan to remove Christ from our country, from people who have billions to waste? What can I do, God? I told God, the power of God seems to be a thing in the past. It really does. The powerful anointing that fell on the church doesn't seem to no longer even be expected to even be expected where's the great moves where's the real revivals the hunger of the presence of God have you have we really come expecting this morning expecting something different something supernatural from almighty God okay well then here's what the Lord told me in my complaining all right? And this is what he's telling you. Job 38.3, New Living says this. This is how God, God started it with me. Brace yourself like a man. When I read that, I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> Seriously, yes. Brace yourself like a man. In other words, God's saying, sit up straight. I got something I'm going to tell you. This is through my reading and praying and seeking God. He says, because I have some questions for you. And he says, you must answer them. You must. I'm telling you out there. As God pointed his finger at me and told me to sit up straight, 
I've got some questions for you, buddy, and you must answer them. So he says this to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me. Where were you if you know so much? I'm reading New Living. Verse 5 says, who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? Who? And when I was reading this, I was going, oh, it wasn't me. I don't know. He goes on in Job 38, 12, New Living says, Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? I said, no. Remember, it says, you must answer. This is not a game. Job 38, 17 says, Do you know where the gates of death are located? I went, jeez, no. Feeling smaller and smaller as I'm reading these. 19 says, where does the light come from? Where does darkness go? And I said, I don't know, Lord. I don't know. God said to me, I'm going to tell you what's wrong. As we laid out all this stuff, and you know what's on. We have to go through what our country's doing. Oh, upside down, inside out. Truth is fallen. Bad's good. Good's bad. You know all that. You hear it all the time. And God says, I'm going to tell you something, buddy. I'm going to tell you what's wrong. You have forgotten me. Amen. You have totally forgotten me. And I'm like, wait, 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 God. What, what do you mean? What are you talking about? I preach. I try to push the things of God. We have Romans class, diving into the book of Romans. Awesome book. We have prayer meetings. What do you mean I have forgotten you? God says, you have forgotten how powerful I am. You're doing God stuff, church stuff. God says, do you remember when I would melt mountains like wax? Do you? Have you? Do you forget that? Do you remember when I walked on the sea? Do you remember when I raised the dead? Do you? God said, stand up, sit up straight and answer me. Do you remember? Ooh. Ooh. Now you start comparing this to the problems of the United States or the problems of the church, and you'll probably feel like me. I was going, oh my gosh, no. No, I don't know where death is. No, I don't know where the gate is. No, I don't know. As God's nailing me to the wall, you have forgotten me, buddy. You have forgotten how powerful I am. And even if I do want to say, no, it's not true, God, it's not true. But it is, isn't it? It is true. It absolutely is. We're so far gone in this, that which God would move, which is everyday stuff, is so removed from us, we can't even remember. Jeremiah 2.32 says this, Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? I mean, I've done a lot of weddings, and I've never been held up where it says, Wait a minute, you can't go. The, the bride's forgot her gown. The bride forgot her shoes. Nothing, never, ever, and all the weddings that about married all of you in here. No one, no one has ever come to me and said that we can't hold up. God says through Jeremiah, can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Mm. Mm. Ooh, Lord. Days without number. 
Jeremiah 18, 15, New Living. Listen to what it says. The Lord says about us. But my people are not so reliable. See, it's easy to complain and moan and go about this, worry about that. Lord, send fire on that. What the heck with this administration? Get it out. This is the... My people aren't so reliable. He says, for they have deserted me. They burn incense to worthless idols. Do you know what that means? You waste time. You're wasting time doing this with Johnny, Sally, Linda, whoever. This house, that house, rose garden, tomato plants, sports, golf, basketball, football. Did I hit yours yet? Whatever. We're just, we're, you're idols. Worthless idols, the Lord says. They have stumbled off the ancient highways and walk in muddy paths. That's what we've done. We have our presidents going to church twice a day, riding his horse twice a day, going. So this is awesome. I can't believe this one. Verse four says, or verse two, or I'm sorry. Hang on, I'm excited. Jeremiah two one says this in New Living. It says the Lord gave me another message. Listen to this one. He says, "Go and shout this message to Jerusalem." This is what the Lord says. I remember how eager you were to please me as a young bride long ago. How you loved me and followed me even through barren wilderness. Even through and stinking things were so hard. You were there with me. When I was a young bride and pretty in your sight, you loved me. God says, I remember that about you. And then God tells us again, sit up, sit up, embrace yourself. Listen to me, answer me. Verse 4 says, listen to the word of the Lord, people of Jacob, all you families of Israel. This is what the Lord says. Answer this if you can. What did your ancestors find wrong with me that they led them to stray so far from me? What did they, ask them, what did I do that they led all of us so far astray from God? Yes, amen. This is what the Lord says. What did your ancestors find wrong with me that led them to stray so far from me? What did I do? They worshiped worthless idols only to become worthless themselves. Amen. Isn't that true about church? Churches? I mean, it just is. Are we going to be true? Are we going to be real? Let me pat you on the back, say you look lovely, see you next Sunday? Or do we want to face it? I mean... If someone gets right with God that you've been praying for forever, your next question is, what church are you going to? Because you're afraid because there's so many. It just is. Just the way it is. If it wasn't true, our nation would not be on life support. Our nation is about ready to die. Then he goes on with me, and I go on with you. In Jeremiah 2.11, he says, Has any nation ever traded its God for new ones, even though they are not gods at all? Have we traded the real God for homemade gods, kind that we like or want or fit in with our life? And then God says this, Yet my people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. The God of all glory. No, 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 no. We'll take this. Looks like church, smells like church, sounds like church, sings like church. We'll take this. 
<clears throat> look at the response to the heavenly hosts. Listen, look what it says. The heavens are shocked that we went, mm. nah. It started off really cool, but we kind of, here we are now. And look at the results as our nation. Look at them. Look at the results of our nation because of what we have chose to do. The heavens are shocked that such a thing shrink back in horror, dismay, says the Lord. That's what the heavens are doing when they look at us. And I'm saying, Lord, why is our country like, why is this such a mess? How did the move of God, how come you're not, what happened to you? Where's the power of God? Just sit up and I'm going to tell you. So the heavens are shocked. Verse 13, here it is. It says, for my people, not the heathen, not the drunkard, not the one playing golf now, no, not all them. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water. And they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water. You understand what that means? God says, this is how you have church. And he lays it out in the word of God. He comes and redeems us and dies, raises from the dead, and he tells you, I'm going to send you another. You tarry, you wait for that power, don't move without it, and this is going to be awesome. And we said, God, eh, we're going to do it this way. It is the truth. For my people have done two evil things. They've abandoned me. That's what we do when we don't listen to the word of God. Fountain of living water. Fountain of living water. Water is a type of the Holy Ghost in the Word of God. It's a type of the Holy Ghost, like it or not. For my people have done two evils. They've abandoned me, fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water. Hold no water. No water at all. No water, no power. No power of the Holy Ghost. We just have form. And tradition. Amen. I mean, we're doing church our own way. We are. Amen. We have to ask God boldly and honestly, Lord, we've got to have the power of God back in it. Do you understand? We have no idea what's coming down the road. None whatsoever. And from what we can tell, it's what? Not good. It's not going to be good. Men's heart gets worse and worse, and we've seen it. I'm stunned. I told my dad, I walked past his picture the other day. He's been gone since 2008. I said, Pap, if you came back right now, you'd be stunned of what's happened to the country that you fought for. So what's happened? What's happened to the desire of the baptism of the Holy Ghost? You longing for that? You hungry for that? I've been taught against that. That's of the devil. What's the word of God say? What's happened to that desire? Do you understand the spirit of God's what back and Jesus went that way? Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding right now that we get this? He says, I'm going to send you another. Luke 24, behold, I send the promise of my Father. Right after he rose from the dead, he tells us this. You can't dismiss this. 
I send the promise of my Father upon you. Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued, until you be clothed with power, dynamite, dynamos power from on high, from heaven. From heaven, God says. I know there's been charlatans. I know there's been buffoons. I know there's been fakes. I know it's been ridiculous. But there's power. And our nation needs it. And God set and planted the church to be that fort where that power is churned and, and sought and cried. It's the truth. So God said, I'm telling you to wait, but most of us didn't wait. We just didn't. I'm not sure why. I don't know. I'm showing you the formula. Okay, who, who do we say as a person in the Bible, in the New Testament, did more than most of us other than Christ? Apostle Paul, right? I mean, he was killing people. Killing I mean, we'd be voting him out of office. We'd be praying God to throw fire on him, kill him, make him wreck in the car. Just get rid of him. And God says, I got a purpose for this guy. Okay? So Paul gets saved gloriously. Remember the story, right? Three days. Three days after he's saved. Now he's blind, stricken blind for whatever reason. Acts 9:17. Three days after he was saved, Ananias, God told him, went his way, entered into the house, putting his hands on his him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in that way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou might receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's what God said to Paul. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man. No wonder Paul did more than all of us. Paul even stated, I didn't write it down, in the New Testament, <clears throat> he says what? I pray in tongues what? Yeah, you know it. More than you all. God says, I'm going to send you dynamite. Just wait for it. You're going to be endued. You're going to be clothed with dynamite. You're going to have that dynamite inside of you that when you walk into a room, you're going to grab people's attention just because I'm going to radiate from you. I'm not talking about you doing something. It's God. God does it. He doesn't need you. He just permits us. And yet we have done nothing. <clears throat> There's another example. Acts 8, 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsy, and they were lame, were healed. And there was a great joy in the city. And that great joy, that news, no internet, no Twitter, no this, no that, made it all the way to another group of people. Verse 14 says, And when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that the Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. And I know it. Many of you have been taught years against it. No, it's dead. It's not for now. It's not. Good grief. We cannot go on the way we are. We just cannot. 
God says, I'm the same today, forever, right? I don't change. You change. You change. We change. The Lord also told me this. He says, look, you're no weaker now than you've ever been. Because I was starting to say, man, me and this and that and blah, and boy, don't have it. You know, after you're told to sit up straight and then nailed down by the finger of God, you're no weaker now than you've ever been. He said, you're just as weak now as you were when you started this walk at 24 years of age. <laughs> just as weak. I used to think, man, if I live long enough to be 70, I'll be running on the water. Not walking, I have so much God, so much faith, so much excitement, I'll be backpedaling, watch this, on the water because of loving God. Well, it didn't happen. And then the Lord told me this, a move of God does not depend on you. I mean, I'd walk across the parking lot today going, it doesn't depend on me. It doesn't depend on me. Doesn't depend on me, doesn't depend on your strength. And I really did. I really did feel the Lord tell me this I don't need you. I don't need your ability. I don't need you or have to have your strength. I don't need your intelligence. I don't. I don't need anything, God says. Absolutely nothing. Why are we so defeated? God says, all I want is a willing vessel, a willing vessel and an open heart. New Hope, are you open to this? Are you really open to this? Are you into just church? Don't rub me the wrong way, Pastor. Seriously, I mean, do you, the country people are so bewildered stumbling through life. We have let the problems of our nation, which God told us that they would happen. I mean, it's, it's fulfilling scripture. But even as we see it, we've let it uh, blind us to the power of God. And even the problems inside the church has blinded us to God's ultimate power. We come in, we play, we leave. That's it. God is saying to you and me this morning, you have forgotten how powerful I am. You have completely and totally forgotten, probably even in your mind, the war, the war is raging now. I don't, I don't, I don't. Absolutely. Happens to me. Ephesians 3 says this, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, are these just cute promise uh, we give VBS kids? God says, I am able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Hallelujah. Exceedingly abundantly of what you can even imagine. You can't even imagine what God can do. He's saying we don't even have the ability to even think how powerful God is. We don't. As a, as a nation, we have neglected the Almighty, and we're trying to put it in cisterns that are empty. We throw money in it, throw talent in it, throw music in it, all different kinds of things. It just reeks right out because it's cracked, and the church is unmoved, the people's unmoved. More people 
staying away from church than ever before. How about this one? Isaiah 66. Think of this. Please give me your good ear. It says, Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. You ever go home just tired, get your footstool out? and go? <laughs> God says, I put mine on the earth. That's how, that's how big. And you're sweating gas prices? Putting his feet. You can't, you can't trust him if gas goes triple? <clears throat> Psalms 97.5 says, The hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. The hills, that's mountains. Those are mountains of problems. Whether it's health problems, some people just can't seem to get healthy. Whatever it is, God says they melt like wax before the Lord. Next time you go pray, get a candle out and light it. and Just watch it. God says, that's what I do with your problem. They melt like wax before the Lord. Now, man, we build them into huge, triple the size of Goliath. God can't move, can't do that, can't do this. He just can't. We've taken our eyes off of Christ so bad. We have. And we put them onto our problems. And when we do that, we sink. That's what we're doing. We're sinking. God hasn't changed. His power hasn't changed. A brass head of an axe. You remember that story? Went like this. Whoops, off it went. Deep down in some lake. And he went, oh, it was borrowed. Don't you hate to borrow things? Can they break? Borrowed. God making a point, cries out to God, this brass axe head, I don't know, two pounds, four pounds, five, who cares, floats. Because God told it to. He told it to. You could be at the bottom of the sea, dead, dead on the bottom of the sea, God speaks and up you're going to come, Bob, and floating because God just spoke it. <clears throat> I sent the story of John Lake to some of you. Because he lived in, he was a missionary in Africa. It was the bubonic plague, I think you say it that way, where they were dropping dead left and right. And he's working in there, uh, winning people to the Lord amongst all the dead, walking over the dead bodies. Britain sends this big ship, you know, the Red Cross and all that. All these people and doctors come in. And they're saying, how on earth have you done this, John, without dying? How could you do this? And he goes on and tells them about the power of God. See, I'm just trusting God. I've got to work here to do it. I believe the Spirit of God's inside of me. And then, pfft. So John takes him over to a dead man, and he tells him to scrape the foam of the plague out of that guy's lungs. Put it in the microscope, and they put it in, and it's live germs all over the place. Okay? And he tells now put it in my hand. Jeez. How about this country? They go, boo, we go, (laughs) put it in my hand. They put it in his hand, put it under the scope, and it was dead. It instantly died. Instantly died. Now, whether some of them believed or not and give glory to God, I don't know, because man sometimes just won't. It died. Died. Walking in the power and faith, doing the work of God wasn't going to die so he could then go to the Reds game. (coughs) 
Almighty God is all-powerful. Absolutely all-powerful. And God told me, you've forgotten that. You're conducting church. You're trying to do your best. You're trying to preach straight word. And I do. We talk. I try to give you the word of God, whatever it is. But we've forgotten the power of God. We need to go after it. It's just not going to happen because you forgot it. You got to go after it. You do. You've got to go after this. John 1.33 says, And I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Who's that? I heard it. It's Jesus. He baptizes in the Holy Spirit. How could you be saying, no, 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 my Lord and Savior, no. He baptizes, it says it. The Lord has the strength of every, oh, the entire universe has been given to him. And I want to simply ask the Lord to fill me with the Spirit of God again. Fill me with it again. Fill me with the Spirit of God again, God. Let me feel that power once again inside of me, that confidence, that boldness. We had a judge from Arizona here just last Sunday uh, talking about wanting more boldness and boldness, and I said, geez, do you remember when they prayed? They got slammed in jail, and they come out of jail. They went together, and they prayed, and God baptized them in the Holy Ghost and gave them boldness again. No Holy Ghost, no boldness. That's us. The Spirit of God has not departed. He's in you. Yes, you give your heart to God. It's part of it. He's in you. Yes. What we talked the last time I preached that there was another, another experience that most or some don't know of or don't want or like, mm. that's got to go. Our nation is on life support. Where's the church? Acts 4.31, then I'll read it. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Boldness comes from the Holy Ghost. It does. How about that look we need from God? Remember, it's not something you're going to look in the mirror. No, I don't have it yet. No, I don't have it yet. It's something God does in others that look at you. Remember, they looked at Moses. He didn't know. He's just walking down the mountain like, oh, yeah. and they're like, ah. he didn't know his face shone with the glory of God. He didn't know that. We need to have that put back in our eyes. And you know why? How about Acts uh, Three forces, and Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us! There are people with mental illness. There are people stumbling all around, drugs all over the place, so out in the public now anymore. You need to have something in your eyes. It's got to be God the Holy Ghost. And if they reach out for help, you say, Look at me with the boldness of God. Church needs that. That's why you're here. You are placed between the living and the dead. The church does it.
You do it. You've been called to do it. Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. That's what he said. We need to put away all our failures because you're going to continue to have them. Bad feelings about yourself. Oh, yes. Have you forgotten God chooses the weak things? That's what we are. We need to get that old-time religion back in us. When we just cry, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't have all the answers. Come pray with me. And we cry out to God and seek God. Old-time prayer meetings. And who knows, maybe God would just give us a real old-time revival. And I urge you with all my strength, with all my strength, make time for Wednesday night. A little bit of time, that's all. And come and gather together. Join with us and cry out for God. Move, God, move. We're not telling you how to move. We're not telling you when to move, which way to move. Just move, Lord. We need the anointing of God back in the house of God. On the music again. On the preaching again. On our youth. The anointing of God. It's the trump card. Yes. We need a Holy Ghost awakening. We are supposed to be a new hope, full gospel church. That's what that means. The last I knew. So Joel says this, let the weak say, I am strong. Not because you're something, because you're awesome. No, if you're godly, you have the spirit of God living inside of you. Micah 3.8 says what? But truly, I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord. Look it up. Your Lord, your Savior, Jesus, when he walked the earth, didn't do anything without the Spirit of God. Nothing. Look it up. 1 Kings 8.23 said, and he said, Lord God of Israel, there's no God like thee in heaven or in earth. There's nothing like our God. Absolutely nothing. You can take a nobody, fill him with the Spirit of God. Do unbelievable works through him. How about this? Do you proclaim this? 1 Chronicles 29, 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. That's your God. That's yours. Inject that God into your situation, into your family, into your son, into your wife, into your marriage, into your church. Inject that. We could use 10 booster shots of that. Yes, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are the exalted as head over all. Man, do you see him like this? Do we?
do like I do. I said, yes, Lord, I have forgotten how powerful you are. I didn't mean to, but Lord, I have. I have forgotten that you're a star-breathing puny, ridiculous me on this silly earth. I want the band back. Don't zip up and click and lock. Don't stay still. Not going anywhere yet. I'm going to give you an assignment. We're going to sing that great I am again when they get ready. But I'll tell you why. Listen why. You don't have to turn there. Psalms 59.16 says this, but I will sing of your power. And we are. We're also going to give the Spirit of God time to do what he wants to. Isaiah 60. New Living says this. Here is your assignment. To rise and shine. You can do that at work. Yes, you can. I don't care where you work. If you work by yourself, I don't care. To rise and shine and shine. God is calling, demanding the church to rise and shine. For the light is come, he said, and the glory of the Lord will be risen upon you. If you obey God's voice, if you take this serious, your assignment Here's your assignment to rise and shine. Arise, shine, for the light has come upon you, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon thee. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall rise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. That's what's happening. That's what's going to happen to those who say, you know what, I'm in. I don't care anything about you. If you can do this, if you can do that, if you're intelligent, if you can't read, I don't care. Are you in? As God gives us an assignment, he's telling us gross darkness is coming. Gross darkness is about here, I guess. So that means that this season of gross darkness arrives and Christians will be needed more than ever before. More than ever. Not to hunker down, not to hide, but to rise and shine for the glory of God. That's you. This is you. Don't sit there and say, go ahead, Pastor. That's us. New hope. God has called us and anointed us 
with the Holy Ghost to live for Jesus in these times. We're going to need every ounce of it. Every ounce of it. Listen, listen to this. I don't know if we get this. We must wake up and realize that we are the generation called to close the end of this age. Can you imagine that? Some were called to start it. Some were called to keep it going. But you and I are in the last of the last of the days. I don't know whether I'll live to see it. But you and I must realize we are the generation called to close out this age before the great coming. Because he's coming. And God in his infinite wisdom who never, ever has made a mistake ever, ever has said, I want Bob and Little Lemon to be alive during that time. He's called you to be alive at this time now. Every one of you, God is saying, arise and shine. Get filled with the Holy Ghost and see what God wants to do with you and through you. Let's all stand. We are chosen for this hour. It is our purpose. Listen what it says in Psalms 59, 16. But I will sing of your power. Yes, I will sing aloud your mercy in the morning. For you have been my defense, refuge in the day of my trouble. That's what God wants to be to you. But you can't, listen, you can't in your own strength. Even if you want it with all your mental facilities, you can't. It's got to be done through the power of the Holy Ghost. That's why Jesus said, I'm telling you, it's expedient for you. I must go away. Because what I'm sending you is going to be awesome. It's God, the Holy Ghost. We have been divided too long. It's time we rise and shine. Sing about the power and let's see what God does. Sing about his power.